Good afternoon, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Outpouring Podcast Show. I am your host, Evangelist Pamela Coleman. This is the Outpouring Show, where we pour into you what God has poured into us. I am so glad to have you with me on tonight. And I thank you so much for tuning in every week, every Wednesday at 7 p.m., the Outpouring Show. And I'm so, so delighted to have special guests on with me each week. On tonight, I tell you, I am so excited to introduce my special guest for the evening. She is an author. She is a, a person who is bringing awareness to our teenagers and to inspire us tonight about her testimony and her journey. And I'm so excited to have her on with me on today. And I want to introduce my special guest for the evening. Her name is Miss D. D. Said. How are you doing this evening, Miss Said? I'm doing great, Tamala. How are you? I am doing well, and I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for asking. It's, it's Saeed. Saeed? Saeed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Saeed, I no, knew no, it was no. something different. Saeed, I am so grateful to have you on the Outpouring Podcast show this evening, and I am so excited about what you're going to share with us tonight. I've read some things about you, but I tell you, you are the one that's able to tell us all about who you are. So just for a moment, just let us know who Ms. Didi Saeed is. Okay. Um, uh, adult, I have two almost grown kids. Um, I've worked in nonprofit for the last 20 years, and on the side, we also started a school club that became another local nonprofit um, that was geared at teaching kids positive character traits, getting involved in their community, and helping those that were less fortunate. Awesome, awesome. And I tell you, I was reading a little bit about you, Miss Saeed, and I'm just so fabulous. I'm just so excited about what you have been doing um, in your community, and you have a website called Building Strong Foundations, and you speak a little bit about, or you write a little bit about speaking against violence, and you're advocating for healthy relationships. Tell us a little bit about how that foundation got started, Building Strong Foundations. So um, when I was a teenager, 16 to 19, I dated a boy that was abusive, um, started emotionally and verbally and grew to be sexually and and physically before I finally found the courage to leave the relationship. And about 10 years ago, you know, when when it was over, I closed the door on it and moved on. And, but about 10 years ago, God showed me that I hadn't really healed from that and pressed it on my heart to write a book, um, to, to show how subtly it starts and grows and to help other People. And as I was writing the wrapping up writing the book, um, we, we built the website and started the company and getting involved in, in trying just to raise awareness so that either others can avoid it or can, you know, uh, get out, learn the tools to, to leave those relationships. Wow. And, you know, this is very helpful um, in the time and the day in which we live in. There are so many teenagers um, that are in unhealthy relationships. 
And sometimes if you can agree with me, when you were going through all of that during your teenage years, you know, did you have, did anybody know, did you tell anyone, were you afraid to tell anyone about that? I didn't tell anybody. I don't know that I was afraid as much as probably ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew, I knew I shouldn't be treated that way. And I, I didn't yeah. quite understand all of the dynamics of it, but so I held held back on sharing it with anybody. Wow. And there's a reason why I asked that, because a lot of times our teenagers, you know, they're so, you know, into what they're doing and they're with somebody. They may not tell the whole story of everything that they're dealing with, whether it's physical abuse or mental abuse. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the awareness is not there at the time because they are in this relationship and, you know, they feel like they're being loved. You know, they don't want to hurt the person that they're with. And, you know, they just want to feel love. Now, was love a, an issue? Was it that you were in love with your companion at that time, your um, teenager, you're in love? Was it something that you just tried to like block it off like this is not really happening? Um, was that something or the reason why you didn't talk about it? I, I think it was a combination of, mm-hmm. of things. I think, you know, it started subtly in, in the beginning, like with um, lies, and then he would tell me that they were a joke, and then he would put me down, tell me I wasn't smart, I didn't have common sense, um, and then he started putting down other people in my life, and, and as that verbal abuse started, you know, I spoke back to it in the beginning, but he always had a rebuttal of, well, I'm just joking, can't you take a joke, or you know, and so he'd kind of put it back on me, and I'd I'd wonder if, well, is this supposed to be a joke? And you know, but but what ends up happening happening is that they systematically break down your self esteem, and so mm-hmm. by the time the physical abuse starts, you know, you're exactly what you just said. You're kind of lost in that relationship. Mm-hmm. There are good components of it. We went on double dates. We rented movies and watched them. We went to the haunted house when it was out. He walked me to some of my classes. You know, there was a lot of the, the normal teenage dating components in it. And then the other pieces over time just became my new normal. And I and at some point I, you know, probably stopped speaking out against it and just accepted it. Well, and he also would tell me it was my fault. You know, if I hadn't have talked to this person, he wouldn't get mad. If I hadn't have dressed this way, he wouldn't have gotten mad. And so you you take on the burden of the relationship and the things that are wrong in it and you start trying to fix it more and and to answer your other question though I I did think that I loved him at that time he was he was fast to say it to me and you know I I just believe that that's where we were at um you know now that I know what healthy relationships are I I know that definitely was not love certainly there was things I cared about him but that was not a loving relationship Yes, and and the reason I ask that because you have a particular scripture um, that you have <laughs> on your website <laughs> that I, I love, and, and it's so true. Um, and it's coming from First Corinthians thirteen four and eight, where it, where it states, "Love is patient, love is kind." It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor or others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always 
perseveres. And, you know, as teenagers, you know, we don't look at, a lot of us, you know, we just looking at this person, we're just in love with this person. I've been there, done that. We all have. And we've been in relationships where they, it was very unhealthy. And we did not know the actual warning signs of that particular relationship. And it turns abusive after time. If you stay in that relationship, it can become very abusive um, physically, mentally, um, and not just for teenagers. We got to include our adults, you know, our adult relationships as well. But can you tell us about the signs? Um, I was actually reading something that says a girl in the United States, it's two and a half times more likely to be to be in an abusive relationship between the ages of 16 and 24 years old. Now, can you just kind of uh, elaborate on that as well about the signs that we should uh, teenagers should look for? Yes. Um, so I'd say that the first ones are if, if for the teenager, if they're being spoken to in a derogatory manner. Um, if they're being put down. And I think that can be hard to recognize for teenagers because it's so common in a high school setting or a junior high setting. Um, You know, it's common to call names. Um, But but if it's, you know, if it's somebody that you care about and says that they care you, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be treating you that way. So name calling, putting you down, yelling or shouting, um, threatening you in any way, ignoring your feelings or what's important to you. Um, insulting your beliefs. Like I said, he, you know, put me down in about every aspect. I played tennis and he told me I was uncoordinated. I actually took harder classes than he did in high school, but he told me that I wasn't smart. And then when I would speak back and say, but I'm in these classes, he would say, well, but you don't have common sense. You're never going to survive the real world. Um, You know, so just overall derogatory um, language and putting you down, um, driving rec- recklessly, isolating you from others. Mm-hmm. Um, as he began to put down the friends in, in, in my life and family, I pulled away from them because I thought any association with them, then he would not like me. You know, if, if he wasn't liking them and I was hanging out with them, then I needed to distance myself. But But really, it's just a huge isolation game so I went from this person that had several great close friends and then a little bit wider net of some good friends I was in National Honor Society I played on the school's tennis team I was involved in our church's youth group regularly and I slowly withdrew from each of those and pulled away from all of my friends so you know becoming isolated acting different um, sheltered, you know, pulling out of activities. Those are all some signs to look for. Wow. That is, wow. And, and I can just imagine, you know, some of our uh, teenagers, our children, you know, going through something like that and then being feeling insecure. Um, you know, as time goes on, you're feeling insecure. And, and then those words of harshness and disrespect and, you know, making you feel uncomfortable, even in public around other people, talking about someone that you say that you love or that you're in a relationship with or however it goes. Um, Now, I just want to just kind of go a little deeper. Was there any physical um, types of abuse that you dealt with? Yes. And the first instance is important 
because so we were in the school talking mm-hmm. with a friend of his after school and we were kind of you know debating on something and not heated not we were just playful and and as we were talking I took my hand and I and I kind of backhanded his shoulder but lightly it wasn't it wasn't hard mm-hmm. and um he turned around and pushed me in return and so hard that I stumbled backwards, fell on the floor, slid backwards, and dropped all of my books. And I was really embarrassed that that had happened in front of somebody else. And, you know, alarm bells were going off in my head. And But then I was quickly like, but that couldn't be what I imagined. He wouldn't have done that in front of somebody else. Why would he be doing that here? And and, and he, he was six foot, probably close to 200 pounds. I was five, six, close to 100 pounds. I thought maybe he didn't mean to to do it that hard. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of justification and a lot of denial. And denial is actually the first phase of progression into an abusive, a physically abusive relationship, probably even emotionally and verbally as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over time, that abuse just continued to, you know, hitting and punching and threatening me twice. He threatened to kill me, um, pulled a gun on me, took me to someplace isolated and told me he was going to kill me. So yeah, physical was definitely a component of it. My God, my God. But listen, your testimony is for someone else. And I'm so glad that you're sharing this and being transparent about it because there's so many young people out here that are out in the world right now that are in abusive relationships, they don't know how to get out of it because sometimes, um, and I have seen it, that a lot of um, teenagers um, are in relationships because they feel like they're on, they don't have love anywhere else, and that person that says they love them is the only person that they can de- feel like they can depend on or that really loves them, and and then it separates them from their family, you know. Um, they, we can't begin to be kind of isolated, like you did mention earlier, the isolation, and then get into the physical abuse and becoming aggressive. Um, that, that person can become so aggressive that you feel timid and you're afraid, you know, and you're afraid to tell anyone that you're in the relationship. And I'm so glad that you're um, in, abu- in an abusive relationship, and I'm so glad that you're able to share um, a little bit of your testimony because that's what they need to hear. Our teenagers need to know that that is not the way that you are supposed to be treated if someone loves you. And so they need to know that these are the signs, and you're sharing so many things. I tell you, I was reading so many things that you you listed as unhealthy relationships. Then it gets to the emotional part of the relationships, the verbal uh, parts of the relationship. I can remember even being in um, a relationship in school as well, and, you know, you get comfortable and then you start thinking, okay, well, this person is just joking around. They're just playing. But then they kind of get more aggressive. And then that's when the emotional, the verbal parts of it, abuse begins. Because I also experienced that, not only in my teenage years, but I experienced it in my first marriage. And it became not just verbal, but it started to turn into physical abuse. And so I can understand what that was, and I did not want to tell anybody in my family what I was dealing with. 
So I can understand that when you, you're being isolated and you just don't know how to tell someone how to get past it. Share with us today how uh, a teenager that may be going through physical abuse or going through emotional abuse, how do they approach an adult to tell them that this is what I'm dealing with in this relationship? You know, I, well, and first, I'm sorry that you also went through one of these relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that by raising awareness, we can you know, stop others from, from being victims in these relationships or from them happening. Yeah. But as far as, as telling somebody, so the, the statistic, unfortunately, is that 30%, only 30% will ever tell somebody. I actually waited 20 years to tell my parents about mm-hmm. the relationship. Wow. I did tell a couple of friends right afterwards, but... For, for approaching somebody, you know, find, find an adult that you feel comfortable with. And if there's not an adult, there's lots of hotlines and resources out there um, with counselors that you can call and talk to about this. Um, I have them listed on my website on the resources page, even reading through all of the signs to kind of weigh your relationship. And I've got signs on there of what a healthy relationship should look like. Uh-huh. You know, to kind of think through and and determine what kind of a relationship you're in. But find an adult that you trust and go approach them. And, and if they're not sure how to help, because like one of the, the biggest things is to have a safety plan when you're around this person. The, the most dangerous time in a relationship is when the person who has been abused, whether it's emotional, verbal, physical, sexual, When that person is trying to leave the relationship, the abuser is losing control, and they tend to amp up the control. They tend to amp up their aggression. And so that's when we tend to hear about it in the news, that somebody was injured or somebody was killed. It's usually in that time frame around breaking up. So it's really important to develop a safety plan, and I do have information about that on the website as well. So making sure that, you know, you break up in a public place or if you're still in school, talking to the school about it. They've got steps to help keep you safe um, while you're in school. So just really, you know, thinking through that and then using the resources that are out there, I would say, are huge. But most of all, to know nobody deserves this. You know, the, the person might be telling you that it's your fault, but nobody deserves this and nobody should be treated this way. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, while you were saying all of that, you know, you have to know your worth. And you allow people to disrespect you or respect you, but at the same time, if you allow it to go on and go on knowing that they're disrespecting you, then, you know, it's it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So I love that you're speaking of your journey and you as a survivor of that, um, many um, teenagers will hear this and know, oh, my God, I can get the help that I need. I can leave this um, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, whatever it was. I don't know if there was issues with you as well as in a sexual abuse with that relationship or, or you know, in that or not. We're not going to discuss that. But knowing, revealing um, in your book, you and it, your name of your book, I want to share that as well, it doesn't start with a punch. I love that. It doesn't start with a punch. Your journey through an abusive teen dating relationship. And this is for childhood and adolescence. And I am so glad that this is out there and you are building strong foundations for our youth 
because they need that right now, you know, because right now we have so much going on. We have so many kids right now that are dealing with suicide, you know, not feeling like they belong in the you know, with their peers, they feel like, you know, they're an outsider. And sometimes being in relationships like this, it just, you know, it just takes on more meaning for them, but they don't realize that it's not good and it's not healthy for them. So I'm so grateful for you, Misai, for even, oh goodness, this is awesome. And I, I, I'm going to purchase this book as well. <laughs> and I am <laughs> definitely going to share it because, you know, this is uh the practical guide, as you say, is a practical guide for helping adolescents prevent and escape abusive relationships. And, you know, when I think about it, you know, this, when you start off in relationships like this, if you do not get out of the relationships and get into healthy relationships and learn that this is not healthy, it goes into your adulthood. And do you share a little bit about that as well? Um, you know, as it moves from your adolescent time, can it lead to also your adulthood relationships? I, I don't talk about that as much as, as how to get healthy afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that's been in an abusive relationship, I believe, is seven times more likely to have drug and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. after they're out of the relationship or while they're in the relationship. So it's it's really important to this person has been isolated for the length of time that they've been in the relationship and it's important for them to to reestablish or to to make new friendships that are that are healthy and figure out what it is that they like to be involved in and you know when I was in this relationship for 3 years I was told who I could talk to who I could hang out with how I could dress mm. and so while everybody else was figuring out who they were so at 19 I was figuring out what was important to me and how to make friendships. And so it's, it's really important for those that are around them to make sure that this person is getting back on solid ground and developing healthy, safe friendships before they jump into dating new relationships. And, and they're going to miss that person. And, and they're going to miss, you know, this person has been a significant part of their life for the duration of the relationship. And so you know, maybe not jumping back into a, a new relationship, but just taking the time to breathe and to know who you are and to get back on solid ground before you start dating again and, and to learn and to read what, what does make a healthy relationship so that you're in a good place before you start dating. Exactly, exactly. You know, young love is beautiful. It can be beautiful because that's the start of, you know, you're loving and loving someone else and connecting with someone else in your, you know, teenage years. We all have had that. We all, they come and they go sometimes, you know, if you don't end up your, your first love and if you don't marry your first love, you know, you go from one relationship to another relationship, you know, even into your adulthood until you really find that special person. But when you're starting off with a unhealthy relationship, it just seems like your whole, sometimes for a teenager, it feels like your whole life is, ending, you know, and I was reading a little bit about the different warnings that you list and also um, the different resources that you have. Um, You include unhealthy relationships, emotional, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, and also depression and violence. Now, we have a lot of depression. 
with our youth these days. I, I don't know what the quotes are on those, but I know that teenagers are very, have a lot of depression going on um, among our teenagers. And you do list a lot of warning signs for depression among youth that are going that are in a unhealthy relationship. You list a few here that I just want to just mention. Um, first of all, the warning signs of depression and dating and abusive relationship. The young person may have a lack of interest in activities that they used to enjoy. And I, you said before that you were in sports and you, you had that going on for yourself. You were involved in a lot of things. Did any of that kind of push aside for you? Did you change, you know, your um, your activities? Did you cha change how you felt about it just in this relationship at any point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I completely withdrew from going to to church and being involved in the, mm -hmm. the youth group. And the tennis team, I, I continued to play for about a year. But my senior year, I was offered a job in a daycare, and I had to be there 15 minutes after school started. Mm -hmm. So I quit playing tennis, but that that provided me a safety net. When I was in tennis, our practice went by some of the classes that he was in in the end of the day. And sometimes he would see me talking with a boy on the tennis team, and I, you know he would get mad at me for it later or question me about it later. And so having this job instead that I had to quickly leave the school grounds didn't open me to having conversations as I was leaving school, didn't open the door for talking to the wrong person. So, so yeah. I quit something that I enjoyed to have safety in a in a job. Wow. Well, I, I don't know why the spirit led me to ask you that, but I, I'm just looking at, you know, the, the warning signs of depression with young teens or tweens or teens um, that are going through abusive uh, in relationships that have gotten them to where they are no longer interested in what they used to do. You know, I've noticed um, a lot of um, teenagers who have, you know, lost their zeal, their joy, their, you know, they were once happy and then they're not happy anymore. It's just like they're just a puppet pretty much to the person that they're with. And so was that something I, I, that kind of – kind of connects with what you just were just saying um and in the isolation from your girlfriends your friends and your even sometimes even connecting with your family um what's that did you have a supportive family so you didn't tell them what 20 years later they did not find out about this they may suspected while mm -hmm. we were in the relationship and and they tried to help um, they would try to limit the amount of time that I was with him, but I was always very defensive. It's, it's just a really hard thing to, to talk about. And so any way that they pushed or tried to limit the time, I would end up lashing out at my family. We had been very close, um, you know, grew up doing things when we moved to, when I was in high school, we went sailing all every weekend together um, I really enjoyed doing that. We talked about things. We went on family vacations, went hiking. But as this relationship grew, they noticed that any time they tried to talk to me about it, I would lash out at them and just pull closer mm -hmm. to to the boy I was dating. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> 
Um, and this is serious. This is really serious. Um, also, um, leading into that, you know, negative self-talk, um, because you hear it from your abuser, you began to even discourage your own self, you know, talk negative about yourself and putting yourself down. That's a sign. That's a great sign right there when you are belittling your own self. And also you mentioned um, the warning signs of depression. One of those as well is feeling hopeless. And I think I mentioned that, that you just don't have any hope. You don't feel joyous anymore. Um, the lack of interest in activities, as we've discussed, and lack of energy. I never would have... Would, thought that would be one of those, but it is a physical depression as well. Would you say that? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I don't, I didn't put depression on it until I was writing the book, but Mm. probably desperation. um, I was, I was just so, so lonely and kind of a shell of a person, but it, it felt like my parents were upset with me. They were just trying to help me, but I, but I thought they were upset with me. I misunderstood and then, you know, he was always angry with me, but yet he was telling me that he loved me. And so I was really confused. Nothing, nothing felt good. And so it just really beat and wore me down. And, and I remember, the re- I think this is an important chapter in the book, because I was so, so isolated and so just depressed. And like, again, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I needed to know that somebody cared about me. Yeah. And and what I came up with was if I wrecked my car, could I could I wreck my car in a way that would put me in the hospital? So I guess this was kind of my fantasy or my ideolation of could I do something that put me in the hospital and then these people that were important to me in my life would come mm-hmm. and like lavish, you know, emotion, good caring emotion on me and I would know that they mm-hmm. that they loved me and mm-hmm. cared about me. I never did anything because I was afraid would I do it not good enough and then I would wreck the car and I would be in trouble for that yeah. or would I do it too much and and really injure myself in, in, in a way that I couldn't come back from. So I thought about it all the time but I never did it. Instead I cried in my bed at night and I cried out to God and I knew that he loved me unconditionally. And I think knowing that that love is what brought me through the three years I was in the relationship. Yes. And praise God for that. Um, It looks like you, you, um, teens or even yourself was looking for that attention, you know, real love, real attention. Um, And then maybe it would be easier you know, if you got their attention, it would be easier to let them know, this is what I've been dealing with. This is what's going on, and I, I need help. I need, you know, I need to feel like, you know, I have you here. And it's good to have family support, you know, good friends that are supportive of you. And I've, I've recognized that over the years. And when you said that, it, you know, your family didn't know for a long time, I actually wrote a bio, uh, my own story, my life story, And you know what? My mother did not find out about a lot of my abuse until she read my book. And that was about three years ago. I'm 50. (laughs) And I can, you know, so, you know, I I never told anyone the small, the little things that really could have turned into big things um, that really, really could have really affected me. But like yourself, I knew the Lord. My, My parents had me in church and my sister and I in church. All the time, we were always active in the church. You know, we were always um, around our church friends, and you know, we were involved. 
And so I found myself even in an abusive marriage, not even going around into my church a lot um, because of, of the abuse sometimes in my marriage. And so I can't just imagine um, a teenager you know, that has just kind of isolated themselves because of their abuser. And, you know, abuser just wants to keep them chained with them. You know, be, you got to be here and you got to be where I can find you. You know, nobody else matters but me. And so that, um, I am so grateful that God got you out of that and you saw um, where you can help others because that's what it's about. I always tell people on this show that your testimony is not just for you, it's for somebody else. And so when you're sharing in transparency, you know, that's helping someone else that's going through, that's been through, and they can even even make it even more. They can push even what you're doing into their life, into the people around them, so that we can learn how to have healthy relationships. It's so great to have you with me, Miss Saeed. I'm so thankful for what you've already shared. So give us a little before we end the show some inspiration, you know, to our listeners. There may be some teenager right now who's dealing with how to get out a abusive relationship even right now, and they're struggling even how to talk to their parents. If it's not their parents, maybe it's a counselor in the school. Maybe it's a, their favorite teacher, someone they can go to to talk to. You know, inspire our listeners this evening, um, about what you've been through and what they can do to get out of it and let them know what, you know, what they can do and just share that with us on this evening. Okay. Um, absolutely. As, as you said, you know, talking with a trusted adult, a parent, a, a favorite teacher, a counselor, maybe their youth director or somebody that they know at, at church or through sports, um, just approaching that person. Those, those people care about you and, and will, if they don't know the answer, they're going to find the answer and they're going to help you and you're not going to be alone in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, and I think, I think this is a good story to, to end on. You know, I, I closed the door on that relationship and I, I moved forward with my life, got involved in college, I started dating somebody else. But I, I didn't realize that I had still carried that guilt and shame when I closed the door and and didn't take the time to heal from that relationship. And so 20 years later, I suffered a bad concussion. I saw three different doctors. The -hmm. third doctor is the one that diagnosed the concussion and, and said, you know, keep going about your daily life. You'll get better. Well, after six weeks, life was still hard. I was struggling. I was exhausted, crying. And he said, you know, I think you need to to be put on medical leave. And so I was put on six weeks of medical leave. And, and that was, that was scary. (laughs) You know, I, I, as an adult, I, you know, I have responsibilities and I'm supposed to be a provider. And, and anyways, I went out in the backyard the first day on, on medical leave. And I tried to do what, what we normally do. You know, what, what do I have that's positive in my life? What can I count on in my life? And I thought, well, you know, I've got a great job. And I was like, oh. Well, I don't know that I, you know, I can't work right now. And, and I thought, well, you know, look at this house that I live in and the family that I have. And then I thought, oh, but what if I can't go back to work? And anyways, I quickly, everything that I thought I could count on, I saw could be taken away by a circumstance, whatever it was. And, and I saw that all we could count on was God. And I felt very guilty over that relationship and just choices made during it. 
And the next week I was in Sunday school class, and they were showing a DVD, and it was talking about hearing God's whisper. And a mom got a phone call of a that her daughter had just started driving. She had taken the car on her first day to work, and when the mom got the car the call, she heard the words, this doesn't change who you are, I still love you. And it was God speaking those words to her. And as she answered the phone, she found out her daughter had been in a very bad car accident, and she ended up passing away. Mm-hmm. And over the next several days as she was going through that, she just kept hearing those words, this doesn't change who you are, and I still love you. And it was like he was speaking those words to me, and all the shame and the pain and the guilt that I had carried through that relationship and and buried deep inside me for 20 years began to melt away. And I finally understood that something happened to me, but it didn't change who I was. I was still a good and worthy person, and I was still a child of God, and he loved me, and so did others. And that same message applies to everybody. God loves us unconditionally, and there's other people in your life that love you and want to support you and help you. And, and so it's a hard step to make, but, but seeking somebody to, to help and sharing it, you know, just like Jesus says in the Bible, you know, put your burdens on me and I'll help carry, you know, that he'll help us carry those. So will somebody else. And they'll help you get out of that and and get on the firm foundation and and to healthy relationships and and a better way of living. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. That is some great, great nuggets. And I just thank you so much, Ms. Saeed, for your transparency and sharing um, what we need to know about healthy relationships, the warning signs, and how we can get that help and building strong foundations. And we know that our our main foundation is in Christ. And I love it on your page as well. Um, I just want to let our listeners know this is something that really really resonated in my heart and in my spirit. Um, You said, after believing in Jesus, the most important decision you'll ever make is who you date and marry. That is so true. That is so true. That is so, 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 so true. And I just thank you so much for that. I really, that just resonated in my heart and my spirit when I read that. And if anyone is listening today, I I encourage you, if you're going through anything right now, are you dealing in a healthy, unhealthy um, relationship, I pray that you will seek the Lord, that you will find support and talk to your family. I don't care what it is, before that relationship gets into a physical one or even where it's causing you to depression and suicide, please get the help that you need. So I do want to ask you, Ms. Didi Sahid, to share with us any help that you can assist or give us any um, um, any type of help, the resources that anyone that's listening today can take down, that you can share, that they may be able to contact if they're going through what they're going through, or they may know someone that's in an abusive relationship. Can you share that information with us? Sure. Um, The National Domestic Violence Hotline is a wonderful source. And then another one that's specific to, to teen dating abuse is Love is Respect. And I have both of those on the resource page of my website as well as as others there's a rape abuse and incest national network 
youth.gov has a lot. Um, I also list the National Suicide Prevention Hotline and then or Lifeline. And then most states have their own local resources as well. But all of those, National Domestic Violence Hotline and Love is Respect, um, are wonderful resources. And they have 800 numbers on their site. They even have chats listed on their site that you can text somebody to get help if you don't feel like making a phone call. Um, I believe you can probably email or, or use the online chat as, as well. Awesome. And I have to say, I can't take credit for that quote that you just said about the most important person. <laughs> I, 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 that was a friend shared it with me, and she gave me permission to put it on this on the site. Aww. But somebody, I think somebody had told her that, and and yeah. she married a wonderful man. So, oh yes, yes, thank you. It is uh, it's really it resonated in my heart just reading it because when once we believe, you know, first of all, we need to know that love. If nobody loves you, we know that Jesus. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ loves us with an everlasting love. And so we have to know that. We have to let our teens know that. We have to let our children know that, that God loves you with an everlasting love. And so that is something. And when you're looking for a mate, you're looking for a, a spouse, you look, you know, in a husband or a wife, I tell you, other than Jesus, the best decision you can ever make is finding a, a, a dating someone and marrying someone. You have to look at those signs. Of, you know, I always look at the signs of how a man um, loves his mother, how he respects his mother. And I was like, okay, if he respects and loves his mother like that, I know he's going to love me even the more. So I, I have a husband that loves me just like that. <laughs> so I'm so <laughs> blessed. Wonderful. And I just thank you so very much. So before we go off the air, Mr. Saheed, I do want to ask you to share with us some contact information for you, you know, maybe email, a website, Facebook, whatever social media you may have that you may share with us that someone may want to just get a few words from you. Just kind of share that with us on this evening. Okay, great, wonderful. Um, so my website is www.buildstrongfoundations.com. Um, the same, or Building Strong Foundations is also on Facebook, or I'm on Facebook as Didi Saeed, S-A-I-D. Awesome, awesome. It has been such a pleasure and honor to have you as my special guest this evening, and I know that it, it blessed me, so I know that my listeners are being blessed as well, and I just thank you so very much, and you keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing the Word of God, first of all, and keep sharing, building strong foundations. Keep doing what you're doing, and I tell you, you're going to reach so many people and so many teenagers, and I just thank you so very much for just being so transparent on this evening about your journey and your testimony, because that's what counts. Your testimony is for someone else, and I just thank you so much. Miss Sahib for being my special guest. May God continue to bless you and keep you. Thank you so much, Tamal. I really appreciate the opportunity to raise awareness through your podcast and all that you're doing to inspire and, and bless others. Thank you so much. You are so very welcome. Thank you so very much. Well, listeners, I tell you, I have been so blessed on this evening by my guest, Ms. Didi Saheed. I know that you have been blessed as well. I pray that you are taking hold of the information that has been provided tonight from our guest on this evening. I tell you, if you are out there, teenagers or whoever's listening, I tell you, parents, Please listen to this and take heed to all the warning signs that we have 
spoke about on this evening when it comes to unhealthy, abusive relationships with our teenagers. I tell you, it's very detrimental for you to take heed to it. Talk to your teenagers, you know, support them, let them know that you're there and they can freely talk to you about anything that's going on in their life, in their relationships, and just give an open conversation for them. I just pray that God will continue to cover your children in the name of Jesus. And I pray that all the signs and all the warning signs that you've heard this evening, you will take heed and go to the website for my my guest, for my guest, Building Strong Foundations. She has so many things out there, so many resources, warning signs, and all the information that you need. And if you want to get in touch with my um, my special guest, Didi Sahidi, she's on Facebook and an information she has provided on this evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Outpouring Show where we pour into you what God has poured into us. We thank you so much for joining us this evening. Join us again with a yet another special guest on next week. God bless and have a good night.